back to another episode of the Good News Cast. As always, great to have you listening. I'm Colin Coates here with Jim Patton. Uh, we are talking about how to read the Bible uh, about a week or so ago, I think two weeks ago. Put out an episode starting um, maybe somewhat of a series on how to read the Bible. We talked about um, basically when you approach the Bible, uh, you're going to bring, we're all going to bring an idea of some to some degree of what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, you really kind of have two options. You either think about the Bible um, as essentially, you know, um, God's laws and commandments to us. Uh, so, so, to a certain degree, it's basically about us. Mm-hmm. Basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. Uh, so it's essentially about us and who we are and how we should live. And it's kind of like our how-to manual. Or uh, your other option is to see the Bible as uh, fundamentally and ultimately being about who God is and what God has done for us. Yeah. And even what God is doing in us and has done in us and what God is going to continue to do and what, what God will do. So we're on the latter side that we believe the Bible is ultimately about God, who he is, what he's done for us in, in Christ. And it's this repetitive call to continually go back to him, to trust him, to daily and continually repent of our sin and trust in Jesus um, not only trust in Jesus for our justification but for our sanctification for our whole entire salvation daily so uh, today we're going to get a little more into the nuts and bolts though some of the questions that we all ask on the ground when we crack open the Bible and we just think how do I rightly interpret this thing um, so I'm going to make a quick comment uh, I think about that and then throw it to you, sure. Jeff, to kind of start talking about some of those interpretive tools. This probably won't necessarily be in any certain order, but hopefully this episode will put out two, three interpretive tools that if you're like, you know, I don't want to just read for five minutes, 10 minutes for kind of a, a solid devotional moment, but I, I kind of, I want to take 30 minutes here. I want to take an hour to really figure out Matthew chapter one, verses one to 10, you know, and really dial in. So I want to get to that. But the first comment I'll make before I throw to you is that there is, um, I, I, whenever we talk about interpretation and interpreting the Bible, you can get into things like, Hey, if you want to interpret the Bible rightly, it's super simple. All you have to do is learn Greek and Hebrew. You only have to learn two new languages if you want to understand it. right? Right. Sometimes the way people will talk about the Bible Um, like I heard one popular preacher, I think once say that everyone should own uh, a commentary on every book of the Bible. I think if I'm remembering this correctly. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, financially that's not feasible. (laughs) And also just like, if you have a kid, you know, a spouse, a job, (laughs) yeah. Uh, the idea that you're just going to constantly be digging into commentaries on top of your Bible reading is difficult. So right. whenever we talk about... Some, and not all commentaries are actually good either. Yeah. Yeah. So point my point is with that is that I'm thankful. And the reality is that the Bible has been written in such a way that little children can understand it. Once they can understand how to read the Bible in their language, whether mm-hmm. it's English or whatever, they can read a lot of it. And a lot of it's going to be like, I don't understand this stuff about the goats and the rams here. Right. Um, but I do understand this John 3.16 stuff, you know. So uh, I just want to, my quick comment is that even if you're like, man, I don't know up from down in terms of hermeneutics and interpreting the Bible. 
the great thing is you can crack open Matthew or Ephesians or Genesis and start reading and go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I understand the story. I understand what's being said here. I don't understand all these people in this genealogy sure. in Matthew 1, and sure. I don't understand the backstory, and I definitely don't understand why a genealogy would even matter here. But I do understand that this is saying that Jesus is the Son of God who was born of a virgin, right? and that this is good news of great joy for all people because he's going to be uh, for, for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Okay, I trust him. You right. Know? Um, so I think it's an encouragement to say that you can crack open the Bible, whether it's five minutes, 20 minutes, even if you don't have a commentary or other books or tools to support you, that thank God uh, he is still in the business by the power of his spirit to illuminate the scriptures to us, uh, that we are not on our own. He's not in heaven going, hope you figure it out. Right. No, he's in the business of helping us understand it and then very importantly, believe it, Yeah, trust him, yeah. meet with him, yeah. uh, absorb it in faith. Um, I think that is like probably even as we're about to dive into reading the Bible, studying the Bible, understanding the Bible is starting at that point. We've talked about a lot of good things last week and we can keep unpacking and developing those, but you either come to the scriptures with this reality that God is at work, that God is speaking us back to life, that he's already before us and he's already uh, teaching and rebuking and correcting and training us, that he's at work in his word or not. Yep. And so with that being said, because I want to dial into some specifics, I think that a, an, a fault in some church camps and whatever can be that because that's true, uh, that they go, and that's why I don't need a commentary. That's why I don't need a Bible dictionary. That's why learning Greek is pointless because, but I think the difference here, and you you mentioned uh, before we hit record kind of an illustration or analogy or allegory or algorithm, whatever it is. It's a secret. (laughs) Of, you know, juicing a fruit for all of its juice. Yeah. I can juice an orange um, with my bare hands and for... I mean, this isn't a great illustration just because if I use my bare hands, it's like a grizzly bear trying to, you know, grab a hold of an orange. So it's going to get above average juice out of it compared to the common man. Of course. I was thinking that same thing. Yes. But if I use like a KitchenAid contrapment, con- contrapment? Yeah. Is that the right word? Contra- You're just messing me all up now. Dude. A KitchenAid entrapment? Yes. That's definitely wrong. Uh, I'm going to get right. all the juice out of it. So... I think that's a good idea of like, you can use your bare hands and get juice out of this fruit. Yeah. But yeah, if you bring in some tools and some next level stuff, yeah. like there's more there that you can squeeze out. Right. So it's not to say that, well, I have the Holy Spirit and I can read English. So there's no need to get technical. Correct. Why not just do both? Why not say I've got the Holy Spirit, I can read English. And with the time God gives me, with the finances he gives me and the desire I'm going to get as technical as I can and want to. So with that being said, you crack open Matthew or Ephesians or whatever. Right. Where would you necessarily go right away to say, hey, here's a tool. Yeah. Here's an idea. Here's a a principle of interpretation. So let's say, let's say it's Matthew or like whatever. It's Matthew or it's Ephesians or whatever. And uh, you're going to want to read the Bible and you decide that, okay, I really want to 
do a deeper dive in understanding either the book or a chapter or a story in the book. Uh, I think it's just helpful. I know it is for me, and it may or may not be for you, but it's helpful to know that there's kind of two uh, levels to think about it. You've got the book, and then you've got those particular passages. So you could think of the book as like uh, a forest, uh, and you want to kind of have a map for the forest. And at the same time, you're going to kind of go into that forest and start looking at particular trees and trying to freshly squeeze meaning from a particular tree or a particular story or passage. I just think right away that's very, very helpful. Uh, because if you just kind of walk into the into the forest and you don't even know where you are in the forest, you don't know what this tree is and what this tree has to do with this pattern over here, and you don't know if there's a clearing that's not a, an intelligent way to read the Bible. It's not an intelligent way to read a book. It's not, and I think that's really important. The Bible is a book. The Bible is God speaking to us. It's his word, and it's 100% God's words, but it's 100% human words. Well, how do you know what God's word is? Well, it's through the 100% human words, and that's why we don't check our brains out when we come to the scripture and just think God's going to download the meaning into us by a spirit apart from the original historical meaning, the author's original intent. These 100% human authors and 100% history and 100% grammar and 100% Greek and Hebrew, that's why we, we want to grow in those tools because we're gaining uh, the original historical intent. All right, so two things. You got, when you're going to read, you're going to think, ah, I need to know a little bit about the book. So one of the things you can do is just to get a kind of a map of the book. Uh, it's good to just have a, a Bible dictionary. I mean, a one-volume Bible dictionary, which kind of has a lot of stuff in it. Uh, and so, you, or one of those, a really good study Bible. The ESV has a great study Bible, and at the beginning of a study Bible, it usually will tell you a little bit about the book. It just kind of yeah. gives you a map of the book. You'll learn a little bit maybe about the original audience that's being written to. You'll learn about uh, the author and maybe the time period and some of the significant um historical realities that are going on. Like if somebody was to write about these past five years, one of the historical realities that everybody needs to know about from 2019 to 2021 is a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So if there was a pandemic in Matthew while he's writing Matthew, that would be an important historical reality. And usually a good study Bible, a good Bible dictionary will give you a map of the whole book and will include important historical things going on because that can, that can be like, well, he's writing to address some of those. It would be again, ridiculous to use the pandemic to think that uh, how many churches and how many sermons, how many pastors ignored the pandemic. That would be weird. Mm -hmm. Usually people would start, saying because of this, there was a lot of stuff on fear, a lot of stuff on uh, even like meaning, right? So same thing. The author's not writing into, he's not writing to nameless people. God's addressing real people at a real time. So when you're going to look at Matthew, start, grab a Bible dictionary, learn about the folks. 
uh, learn about the author, learn about some of the historical things going on. Again, this is just upper level stuff, selective stuff. It's not exhaustive, but it just helps you, Mm -hmm. oh, orient to the map of the book. Now you move into the forest. You kind of feel good about, okay, I kind of know some good basic stuff. So you can read a little more intelligently. Then you go in and you're like, uh, you know, maybe you start with the genealogy, let's say, um, in Matthew. And so there's a lot of names, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I think one of the best ways to actually like squeeze meaning freshly from a passage um, is to start asking questions about it. So just really basic, like read and tell it, be be Sherlock Holmes. Be incredibly curious. Well, why does, why does Matthew begin with a genealogy? Why would he do that? And who are these people? I mean, it's just that kind of what strikes you, what's, um, what's naturally drawing your attention, uh, what's the force of the text? Just read intelligently. Read like a human being, but read very curiously. Ask questions. Be very observant. Um, look for things that uh, are out of place, things that are unexpected. Uh, if that's the case, you're actually, you're, you're pushing into the meaning of the text. You're pushing into the areas that the text actually wants you to investigate and wants you to know about. Unexpected suspense, details, stirring questions actually are pushing you in the right direction. Um, so I think being very curious, asking questions is a great way to start digging deeper into the text. Um, and then, you know, some other things you can do is just if you're, you know that uh, you're, you're reading to find meaning, right? You're reading about original intent. One of the ways that you could uh, look at a particular story or a particular passage or a section is to kind of itemize what you think are main ideas and the supporting ideas to them. That again helps you um, summarize what you think is being said and what's being said about them. I think that's also a good way to learn how to kind of dig deeper. It also will flesh out things you don't know. You come across a word like propitiation, you're like, well, I don't know what that means. Well, guess what? You can maybe grab that Bible dictionary and look it up, and that will help you. Some significant words that you need to know that are going to help you kind of squeeze meaning out of that text that you're looking at. That's how I would start. I think um, I'll I'll mention, too, you mentioned it just so everybody heard it, the ESV Study Bible I, I assume there's a handful of really good study Bibles. The ESV study Bible is is great. Um, I think if someone wanted to take a first step, I didn't think about it until you said it, but a first step of going, hey, I've got time and, and want to get a little more technical in my Bible reading. You know, um, I don't have time to, you know, read through a commentary or, or whatever. Uh, the ESV study Bible is amazing because it's just Fantastic. these great summaries um, where you can read the scriptures um, you know, and then if you've never looked at a study Bible, basically as you go through a book of the Bible, there will be explanation for the verses. It's not necessarily every single verse, but it may be, you know, hey, this story, and it's going to give some of those uh, more uh, technical information, you know, explaining this context, or it'll get into the language. It'll say in the Greek, this means, in the Hebrew, this means. And so you're getting these great 
phenomenal nuggets yeah where you're not having to power through 30 pages of a commentator explaining the historical debate about this Hebrew word. I think that's so important because uh, I know that for me, when I was beginning to want, okay, I want to really start learning about the Bible. Um, it was overwhelming because mm-hmm. you feel like you have to master it mm-hmm. and that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you start with God's at work, and you start with highly selective, being high, learning to be highly selective. In fact, one of the first things that really one of the better exegetes at the seminary I went to said just that. He says, you need to learn to be incredibly selective as pastors and as people wanting to understand the Bible of the material that's before you. Not all material is equal. And being selective of key material is really important. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, you know, as we continue to do this, we can start talking about, here's some key things that is selective. You do want to look for these things Mm -hmm. and you just want to, you don't want to be exhaustive uh, and run down every rabbit trail. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if I gave, I mean, some of this is in line with what what you were saying, but uh, one or two good pieces of, of advice is to remember what you just said about the context of, okay, when was this book written? Who is it written to? You know, I was even thinking about the p- pandemic, right? And mm-hmm. um, obviously I'm making this up, but it, the, the application there is, let's say you get to a story where, where Jesus is like, you know what, you can trust me um, with your health. So take off your mask, you know? And we read that and we're like, you know, what? Like they wore Halloween masks or something, you know? Like, what are you talking about? But then you learn, like, this was written, they lived through this pandemic, you Mm. know, and Bethlehem, you know, required everyone to wear masks, and everyone was terrified, and and so you realize, like, oh, that's the mask he's talking about, and there's also significance there, because people were wearing it out of fear, and... Obviously, I'm making this up, but I'm trying to apply the point. But that's exactly exactly right. Um, You you think about you think about okay. So this is a real example. Uh, The disciples on the boat uh, is at the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. That the storm hits. Yeah. Okay. Well, think back to when there's no electricity. So I had a buddy who went to the Sea of Galilee at at night, and um, and and I don't I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but but think back with no electricity especially if maybe it's like uh, the moon is darkened out and it's cloudy and there's no stars, whatever. And it is pitch, pitch black. black. You know, when I drive to Florida and I'll, I'll, if we drive at night, I'll look over the bridge at the ocean or the sea when we're going over these big bridges, getting to the beach. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's this black abyss, mm-hmm. you know? And then you go, okay, maybe that's why, um, Maybe that's why they're just utterly terrified. Yeah, there's and no t- reference point. There's, there's no, no reference point. There's no electricity. You can't see the mm, coast. It's you up, are down directions. <laughs> that's small. That's right. small. But you just go, oh, original context. They had no electricity. Yeah, like it at least it helps you get in their shoes a little bit right. more to go. Oh yeah, I would be scared out of my ever loving mind. Yeah, as well. Um, but see, that's really important. So you just you start picking at some details like the Sea of Galilee, the time period. Oh yeah, no electricity. Mm-hmm. The, and, and these were experienced fishermen, but they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. What can make an experienced fisherman freak 
out. Mm-hmm. So again, it, that just is, we're pushing into. I want I want you to think of like you're you're cutting with the grain of the text. So when you're when you're pushing into the meaning of the text, you're working with where the text is already going. And so many times in our our enthusiasm to study the Bible, we're always cutting against the grain of the text. We're working against uh, what's already there. Mm-hmm. We're working against the 100% human words mm-hmm. and super spiritualizing it. Right. Um, but if you want to move into the power of the text and the divine energies of the text, you move with the grain of the text where the 100% human words are going. So the more that you actually are discovering what mm-hmm. that is, is you're actually releasing the realities mm-hmm. and the power and the authority of God's word upon your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can be a difference between just one way you're kind of looking at a, I don't know if even if everybody even knows what a black or white TV is, but you have a black and white TV and now you're in high def. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a major difference. It's, it's the same thing, but you see things clearer. Yeah. It's more colorful. The, the second thing I would say too, with concept, knowing some, getting some of those nuggets, you know, those nuggets of like original author, uh, time period, some of that good context on, um, not only like if there's stories, like if this story is about a place called Bethlehem, knowing about Bethlehem, but then also knowing like who was this written to. So if Matthew was written uh, to a bunch of people in Los Angeles, that's helpful to know as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I want to know the context of where this story is taking place that's being told, but then also the original audience of who it's going to. Yeah. Um, because again, that can clue me in on things, mm-hmm. but then also just letting the Bible interpret itself. So our, the Westminster confession talks about this, that the Bible is very clear, but then the hard parts, the first place we go to is the other scriptures to interpret. Yeah. So I, I think about the prodigal son story. And a lot of times we read that for whatever reason as being principally about this super rebellious sinner you know, who goes and squanders everything and then he comes back and therefore, you know, stop going to the strip clubs, repent, um, go to Jesus. Well, then you learn that if you rewind a little bit, that Jesus is telling these three stories, the lost coin, the lost sheep and the prodigal son to who the religious leaders, the dudes who you know, are trying to get the government to shut down the strip clubs. Like, like (laughs) these are the religious leaders that Jesus is telling the story to. And so then you go, okay, well, the religious leaders wouldn't identify themselves as the prodigal son. They would. So, so that that's probably not the first application there. Jesus is probably not saying, probably not directly saying, see, you're just like this prodigal son, because they would go, no, we're not. And you know, we're not. We've never run away and squandered everything. We're not like them. Yeah. So then you're like, yeah, and there's this older brother who's a part of the story. I've never known what to do with him in the story. I've never known his significance. But now I'm realizing that this is being told to religious leaders who would who would go, yeah, I'm like the older brother. I've stayed home with dad. I've honored my father. I've done all the right things. I'm not like the younger brother who ran away and squandered everything. 
yeah, that that's who I'm more like. And then you see how the story ends, you know, where you've got the older brother not wanting to give grace and mercy to the the younger brother. That's so important because there now you're at now that would kind of almost shift the thrust and meaning and intention of the whole story. So you could have been reading it in terms of what mostly has happened in the Christian culture is about the person that's being bad. Yeah, uh, He's trying to save himself by being bad. But then, voila, the camera shifts and it's actually yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's being yeah. written to the person that's trying to save himself by being good. Yeah. They're... Right there, that's intelligent Bible reading. That's cutting with the grain of the text. But notice it was broadening broadening the context, the context. and stretching it out yeah. and realizing, oh, this string of stories is about one conversation that started yeah. over here talking to yeah. these religious leaders. Which, yeah, I mean, again, the Bible, that's not like some magical interpretation. That's like the Bible right is, there. is telling me. Hey, he's talking to religious people. He's telling you how to read it. Yeah. And so, okay, this makes perfect sense of what's going on. Jesus is saying, you know, God is gracious. I've come to give grace. Are you on board with the grace thing or not? Yeah. Are you the older brother who's going to party with us? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to not go the grace route? If you want to go the law route, you can do that. It just ends badly. Yeah. But then even then, you can broaden the context and say, you know, I read all four gospels and to my shock, over and over again, it was the religious leaders who were the biggest enemies of Jesus. Yeah. In other words, it was, oh, it, it was the older brother. Okay. So you brought in the context even more and you go, oh, there's this wild theme I'm seeing here of, of sin is not just, you know, this clear cut rebellion. Sometimes yeah. sin is I'm trying to do all the right things. You look at the whole Old Testament, Bruce Waltke theologian says the law of God was this great misdirection of God. Hmm. We think, oh yeah, I can do all that. Yeah. And we find out the whole Old Testament was kind of like this brilliant sleight of hand misdirection from God hmm. to go, actually, I've given all this to undercut, to to show you how sinful you are and how much you need a savior, you know, to show you the older brother needs Jesus, right? So I think those two things, context of original audience, original book, and then also just what do the verses around it say? Yeah. How does the Bible help interpret itself? Just those two things, especially if you add in a good study Bible, I mean, you are so set. Oh, yeah. You are so set to understand the scriptures in a, in a such a clear way. You've moved into like, you know, the, the top 10% of Christians that intelligently read their Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's so great how God yeah. has given us the scriptures to yeah. not be this cryptic, mysterious book, but... You can juice it, you can get juice out of it, and then mm-hmm. you can go, you know, I want to add this tool and get a little bit more, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then for all you geeks out there, it's like if you want to get into the hundred-year-old debate about this iota, you know, <laughs> yeah, get yeah. after it. Sure. And then write a commentary so I can read the summary, uh-huh. you know, because that's not me. Um, all right, hopefully this is helpful. Maybe we'll do another episode if we can think of some other good tools, mm-hmm. um, things like that. If you want to jump on it, get on Amazon or wherever, get an ESV study Bible. I think that's a great first step. Oh, oh, and then also um, Ligonier Ministries has a webpage. They recommend their like top five commentaries for every book of the Bible. I use that a lot. Like if I have to preach a sermon and um, I've got some commentaries, but then I want to get, hey, who do you recommend? And they give summaries. Mm-hmm. 
they'll say this commentary is highly technical. They'll say this commentary is a great summary, you know, so you can actually go, okay, I think this one would fit what I'm looking for. It's good. Um, I think that's a, a good place to start. So that's ligonier.org. Google like Ligonier top commentaries or something. I think it's helpful. All right, until next time.